Hello and welcome to the Podagogy Podcast, the podcast that aims to bridge the gap between teaching, coaching and all things pedagogy. Today I'm joined by Chloe Brown. Chloe has spent time as a centre manager on the Girls Talent Pathway, as an FA tutor and as a first team head coach in the Women's National League. As we caught up, we discussed metacognition, problem solving as a tool for learning and thinking about what makes a positive learning environment. Cool. So, uh, good afternoon, Chloe. Thanks for thanks for joining me today. It's, it's appreciated. Um, so, I think a good place to start, as any, is if you could just learn to give um, the people a bit of a, a lowdown about yourself um, around some of your experiences. Obviously, I know some of that will touch on kind of how we know each other, um, and then we can we can pick up from there, really. Yeah, um, so I suppose when I left uni, um, I went straight into teaching at a college um, and university in Peterborough. Um, so sort of went straight into that, did sort of teaching qualifications alongside teaching there. So um, whilst I was also coaching grassroots football. So for me, football, I suppose, is my main sport, although I have kind of dabbled in others um, sort of here and there. So, yeah, for me, I've been coaching for many years. Sort of as soon as I turned 16, I was straight on my level one. Um, but in terms of my understanding of maybe learning and development and coaching, it probably started when I started teaching. Um, so I was teaching for about five years, um, left there to go and work for the FA. Um, and I was a skills coach for the FA, went around primary schools, delivering football sessions and sort of fundamental movement sessions. Um, again, sort of coaching alongside that, working in the girls' talent pathway at the time. Um, and oversaw Northamptonshire FA's Advanced Coaching Centre, which is kind of the, the equivalent to, I suppose, your boys' academies in terms of level um, for that point, but run very differently, which I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on later. Um, and then um, from there, I've been off, coached multiple different environments, grassroots, right from your three-year-olds up to your adults. Um, I've worked with a number of different coaches, managers, um, and since I've kind of gone back into sports development and generally most of my roles have had quite a big focus on sort of workforce development and, and things like that. So generally stayed within that realm. Um, and throughout that time, at some point, I couldn't tell you when I've done a lot of tutoring for the FA and mentoring and, and things like that. So I suppose I've always been around sort of coaching, teaching, learning in so many different aspects and different environments. Yeah, cool. Um, spot on. I mean, so I think a good place to start today would maybe be around, and this is obviously um, something that you made me aware of kind of when, when we worked together around meta metacognition. I mean, in a, in a nutshell for me, I guess it's it's thinking about thinking if you're going to if we're going to really simplify, it, but it'd be really interesting to get uh, some of your thoughts or some of your experiences around that around that theme. Yeah, I, I think it's sometimes a bit of a difficult concept for people to grasp, particularly as to how you would then apply it. Um, and I suppose we linked it in with, with meta-learning and in terms of same, you know, thinking about learning. Um, so I think it's probably easier to kind of explain it through maybe a bit of an example of how we used it within our environment. Um, so when working with Northamptonshire FA's um, Advanced Coaching Centre, um, the, the difference between that and maybe a typical academy environment was that the girls would play for their grassroots clubs. They'd play mixed football, girls football, whatever it was. Um, and then they come to us once a week and we would offer them an hour and a half session when it would almost be a bit of a top up. So we'd offer them the SNC support. We'd offer them the, the football coaching and kind of different elements around that, um, which 
you know, is great that they kind of get that top up and they can still be in the environment that's good for them and best for them. Um, but the challenge with that was that we only had an hour and a half a week with them. Um, so we had to do things very differently and being able to understand how players were learning and how them themselves would take on board information and challenge themselves and continue to learn away from us was really, really important. So we felt we really needed to create those independent learners. Um, and that's where we started to look into a lot around meta learning, metacognition and, and kind of seeing about, well, how can we give these girls the skills to understand how they're learning and how they learn best and how they can then embed that in other environments that they go to. Um, and I think we, we tried out a bit of a pilot, didn't we, between the two of us and, yeah. and had a bit of a small group and um, sort of just did a bit of a, a trial of, right, sit down, this is kind of what we're looking for. And, you know, a lot of it that we kind of focused on was around questions and how they ask questions and what questions they ask and feeling free to ask questions and working together to answer and ask those questions and learning off of each other and um, how they kind of identified problems. So what is the problem that we want to solve? And actually, how do we get around that? What do we need to do? What resources do we need? Who do we need to ask? Actually, who's an expert in this? Um, I'm really trying to give them that that kind of ownership. Um, I know you delivered sort of quite a few of the sessions with them then sort of in between and, and ad hoc. So you could probably give a much better overview as to kind of what you covered yeah, in those I sessions. Think one, one cool thing they really enjoyed was like something super simple as keeping like a learning journey or like yeah. a, or a journal, sorry, like a learning journal. So like you said, we only saw them for, depending on 10, 12, 14, whatever, hour to an hour and a half, maybe two hours max on a good week if, if they're there bright and early. And it was about how we could then, uh, how they actually, not how they could manage their learning kind of then for the rest of the week. So yeah, that learning journal of um, just simple things like what did I work on? Uh, what problems did I face? How did I overcome these problems? And actually getting them to be quite reflective of their learning process. So not yep. coming to the session and being like, oh, we worked on um, defending in wide areas, whatever. Um, and then just going away. Yeah, I, I learned sit down, shut down, shut, do all that stuff. Actually, to go away and think about how did I learn that? How did I apply that? Um, and, and things like that and making them more kind of, I guess, aware of maybe their own strengths and weaknesses, but not strengths and weaknesses in terms of tech tech stuff, like their strengths and weaknesses in terms of how they learn um, or how they manage their own learning was, was something that I remember quite vividly that we did. And I think that links into, we had a big emphasis on like problem solving as a tool for teaching. So yeah. I think particularly we found with with those players, and it's a massive sweeping statement, but I think female players, particularly in terms of their learning, demand a bit more. And what I mean by demanding a bit more is like they want to know why. Yeah. Like they definitely want to know why a little bit more. And that was something that coming into that environment for me really challenged me. And even now working in the women's game still still challenges me because if I get asked why and I don't know why, then I'm going to look a bit silly. I'm going to get caught out. So I think I don't know about your experience on that as well, but for all ages, even our under 10s at that stage and 12, 14s, and I say now in the women's game, they want to know why they're doing something. I think they come kind of hand in hand. They want to know about why they're learning something or why that is the solution. Um, but I know you've done quite a lot on stuff around problem solving as a, as a tool, yeah. any kind of experiences on that at all. It's interesting that you kind of say about I'm wanting to know why. I remember delivering um, or co-delivering a CPD event 
um, with the same similar group of girls. And at the end, we had the girls in and we quizzed them and said, you know, what what worked best for you? What what, what style of coaching did you prefer? And, and they were like, well, actually, we, we like this style of coaching best because she gave us the why, not just this is what you need to do, but this is what you need to do and why. And so it was really interesting that they identify that as well. And yeah, for me, I've, I've done quite a bit in terms of problem solving style of coaching, because again, I, I quite often work with groups where most is a bit of a top up on top of their normal coaching. Um, but also I know myself trying to get my voice across an 11 aside pitch on a really windy day uh, in the middle of January is near impossible like there's no chance anybody the other side of the pitch is going to hear me so I've got to be able to create those players who can go into that environment and can kind of you know play to their strengths and, and know what they're doing and solve problems and, and pick out those problems and I remember you know when I had even a group of under nines under tens um, rather than having a this is the topic of the week we had a this is the problem of the week how are we going to solve this problem um and yes it led to a few bits of banter between girls of you know one of them turning around when I said oh what's the problem of the week saying you know what oh, you are you know and things like that you know it gives you a little bit of a laugh but you know that that problem of the week became quite an important thing for them they came in right what are we trying to solve this week and I think it also gives a little bit of motivation that it's not just okay what are you telling me and I've got to try and now go do it's actually I'm actively involved in the learning and what am I going to try and figure out and retaining that learning and then being able to apply it in a different situation, I think is, is really key for those players. And it's something that they learn. So it's not just solving that problem. It's how to solve every problem that comes before them and how to apply what they've learned from that problem they've already solved into another situation. Yeah. I think one example of that, that I remember having a conversation around was around, um, like how problem being like how can we win our one v one battles when defending? So some as simple as then we chuck them into a load of one v ones, and as you said, you're not you can't get your voice across. So you'll just go around to each, you know, each pair or whatever. You know what what problems are we facing? And they might solve one problem, but then actually they might themselves have identified a new problem. So you might start getting their questions back, or you know, like I don't know. Um, what what do I do when she just kicks it past me and chases or, or whatever, for example? And then that then like you said, that sparks and a new a new avenue, and it's them actually thinking around potential scenarios and potential issues that they're going to face, and then being kind of um, self sufficient enough to start thinking about solutions. Because ultimately, once they're in the game, that's what's going to have to happen. You know, we can yeah. give them the answers, but if they can't problem solve, we can't create players that problem solve. And I think, I don't know about you, but I think in my experience, I think the difference between the good and the really good players is that ability to self-problem solve, to self-regulate, um, I guess, or take take real ownership of, of that. Um, yeah. But I, that was really, really beneficial. Yeah, 100%. And I, I found that, that sometimes those stronger players are the ones that will come and ask you those questions and the ones that say, oh, well, what do I do in this situation? And I think that was really evident after that little bit of a pilot bit that we did together um, of those girls I remember taking covering a session I remember that those girls who um we'd worked with over I think it was only a period of four or five weeks um were the ones that were coming up with loads of questions that I never would have expected them to you know you said this but in this situation when this is slightly different how does it apply here and they were really thinking about what problems they were going to encounter and identified them really well and for me like that's brilliant. Like they're the sort of players you want, aren't they? The ones that are really thinking about it. And I never 
go in saying I'm an expert I know absolutely everything about this but and sometimes they'll throw problems at me that I go oh you know what actually I'm I'm not 100% sure maybe we should try this out let's try that out so um I think it's it's a great approach to take but you as a coach or an instructor or teacher you need to be able to step back and say okay well I might not be the expert because actually for what might be right for one player might not be right for another player because they might have different technical and physical attributes that might be very different. So um, I think it's really important that it's a bit of a, a collaborative approach to solving those problems, even if they're asking you the question. Um, it's not just a straight out, oh, OK, I'm going to give you a straight answer. Well, actually, are there any other questions that we can prompt and, and we can try and draw a little bit more information out of you and, and try and get you thinking about it? Um, or actually, is it the limit of their their understanding where we do have to provide that little bit more information? Um, and that is a bit of an art and it's not something that is easy to master and, and takes a lot of experience. And I, I, th I think kind of a lot of the problem solving work we do takes experience, not just from the coach, but also from the players. The players have got to have that basic understanding to be able to build from to be able to solve the problems in the first place. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, from, from that, then we took like, I mean, in my towards the end of my time um, over there with, with you guys, we then went to a kind of a really player led and player centered like model of learning, didn't we? So players being really in charge and regulating either where they were at or what they were work on, working on or, or how they were going to improve. So we had like the ladders and the pegs and, and all yeah. that stuff. And I think that that forced a lot of coaches to feel quite um, maybe vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, maybe and almost like you know handing over a little bit handing over that and even myself it was something that I struggled with a little bit at first to kind of get my head around that I'm not you know coaching this today it might be that player wants to do that and I think it had lots of positive outcomes but it was it was really kind of I think tough at first from particularly from a coaching point of view to hand that control over a little bit yeah well you're, you're taking what we perceive as teaching and coaching and let's be honest all, all of us would have gone to school and had a teaching environment where it's okay well you know, this is, I'm going to tell you all the information. You've got to remember this information, whether that is in different activities that they've done, but generally the teacher is there to pass on that information to you and make sure that you learn it. Um, and I know I had as a, as a youngster, I'm sure many others will have had coaches within football where it was, right, I'm going to tell you what to do. You're going to go do it. Um, so that's generally what we perceive. And, and also it's what the parents perceive is what's coaching. Is it, I'm here for you lot to tell my kids what to do um so on that though, sorry that was the one thing that kind of not worried me but really concerned me that i'd be stood at the side of the pitch kind of on the surface appearing not to be doing a lot and the the parents are stood only just behind me like on the other side of the fence and i'm in my head i feel i you know this again this is my own probably insecurity i, I feel like i can feel eyes on the back of my head and murmurs around you know he's not doing anything like what you know we're we're driving however long to be here. We've we've paid this money for this kit and we've done this, and we've done this, and he's just letting them you know, this looks look rubbish. They're just playing like whatever. And it got to a point where I was actually actively like setting my session up as far away from that kind of viewing area as possible to to avoid that. But once you then get comfortable with it and the process and what's happening. But then on that, I think one thing we were very good at was um keeping parents or whoever else like in the loop. And again, going back to that why about this is what we're going to do and being really upfront and honest about it. And this is why we're going to do it. And we need you to be on board. Yeah. And, you know, kind of linking back in, going back a little bit um, is that, you know, when you were saying about views of the parents, 
100%. I remember when I was relatively newish grassroots coach, I was doing all the youth award modules from the FA. And it was very much around, you know, game be the teacher and all of this. And, and I was using quite a lot of small sided games and, and a lot of problem solving within those games. And I remember a parent coming up to me um, after a session saying, I notice you're just letting them play lots of games. Um, I've got some drills if you want to use them and you can have a look at them. And, and I had to kind of go through with them. Well, actually, no, this is why I'm doing it. And yeah, sometimes it is that perception. And I think you're right around what, what we did at, at North Ants was around really trying to work with the parents as well and explaining to them what we're doing. And with that pilot project, we got the parents involved right at the start. And it was, look, we want to explain to you and why we're doing this and why this is important. Um, and I think that we, we did have a really good group of parents there who bought into what we did and, and really trusted that what we were doing was the right thing for those girls. And, and that made such a big difference. But yeah, um, I, I think kind of having that environment where you've got that is really important. And just kind of dialing back a little bit to kind of explain what we did, because obviously not all the listeners will, will know that. Um, we kind of created a set of ladders for each topic with um, sort of different levels on the ladders for players to work through. So for example, one might um, be around possession um, and the very basics might be around scanning around you so that you know where to take your first touch. The next one might be around taking a good quality first touch and then it might be around playing a good pass and, and kind of really stepping up and, and really starting to get specific as it got higher up the ladder. Um, and for each of those steps of the ladder, we produced a card and on that card, it had what good looks like. Um, some questions to really start to prompt thinking that little bit further, but also to give parents an opportunity to get involved and ask some of those questions. Um, and also what they could do within a small sided game to challenge themselves a little bit more. Because again, it's that support to help the learner, help the learners, help the players go away um, and be able to embed that within their grassroots environment and, and wherever they are. So we, we kind of gave the players as much information as much of the tools we possibly could um, and then we allowed them to pick their step on the ladder to say well actually this is where I think we're at and there was some coach discussions uh, but yeah the vulnerability is huge for coaches and um, because you're suddenly changing how you are perceived and what you perceive as coaching and what players perceive as coaching um, but is doing it the old way where we're constantly just telling them the answers and not giving them all, all the why around it and we're not asking them to think for themselves always the best way to get them to learn so um I, I think it was definitely pushed pretty much I would say every single member of staff out of their comfort zone um but I think we started to see the benefits of it of so many more players coming to us with questions and and asking questions and wanting to know more and and taking that ownership of okay well actually I know what good looks like for this topic um, there's probably so much further we could have pushed it um, but yeah I, I do think it the, the coaches were the ones that we had to convince more than anybody else was this is probably a good way to do it because it pushes them out of their comfort zone the most yeah I think for the girls it was great it was it was turn up we're going to play games there's going to be these conditions like fun conditions going to be this and that and for them it's fantastic and like you say I think the biggest um the biggest thing was, you know, to, to really change that mind, not yeah, change that mindset around what, what coaching looks like. I think part of the, maybe the problem with that is, and is that we want to see, we won't see the, the rewards for what we're doing until much, much later on. So we can sit here now and I won't obviously name any names, but we can probably both think about certain players who are doing really, really well. So now we can, now we can see the, and you in particular, who started with some of these girls when they were probably what, 
six, seven, eight, maybe. Yeah. You know, and, and they're now at a point now where you see them, you know, playing uh, kind of a, a really good level and you're seeing the rewards for what you did. But at the time it's quite, it's quite difficult. You know, if you're a, if you're a carpenter and you, you want to build some stairs at the end of the day, your stairs are built and they, they work. I think with teaching and coaching, we don't see a lot of the good work or a lot of kind of uh, output, if you like, until weeks, months, maybe even years, like down the line. I think that's part of the part of maybe the the struggle around that as well. Yeah, and I, I know a lot of people hate the phrase, but trust the process. But sometimes it is a little bit of that, isn't it? Yes, trust it. Yes, critique it. But I mean, you know, the way that I coached, you know, when they first started out, the amount of changes and little tweaks that we've made have been huge. But we've generally had the same idea throughout of well these players have got to be able to solve the problems themselves and these players have got to be able to become good learners and can we help them to become good learners and can we give them those fundamentals and they will go on and uh, and kind of reap the rewards hopefully and you're right you know we've got players that came to us at six seven years old um that are now you know we're now getting call-ups for england national performance camps and things last year so you know there are results that you can now start seeing from these players but it's taken a long time of embedding it. And, you know, it's it's also, as you said, you, you've got to have the parents on board because those parents have, I suppose, trusted us to do that for the last however many years. Um, and that's not an easy thing to do because, you know, yes, you might trust someone, but if it goes wrong, that's seven years down the drain. And, um, you know, full credit to them for kind of allowing us to do that because looking at some of my sessions when they were seven, eight years old, anyone coming along would think I'd lost the plot um so yeah it's um it's definitely a long process it's not easy to see the results and you've got to educate yourself as a coach the best you possibly can in my opinion around teaching around learning and and really how people learn um to be able to get long-term results and if you don't have that understanding of learning I think it's really hard to get the long-term results you can understand the game in absolute detail but if you don't understand how people are going to learn there's no way you're going to be able to get that information across them for them to learn it and to develop those players to the best they can possibly be yeah i think it can be quite tough to actually check for that learning like you know in a practical environment i think in terms of the classroom hopefully you know they they hand an assessment or a bit of work or whatever and you can see hopefully they've taken that information on board obviously there's a there's an issue there's a, a debate there between whether has it, has it been learned or has it been regurgitated or whatever but that's a, a separate conversation i think for a different day but i think from us you know we might work on receiving the ball on your back foot fine so i can see so and so has not done it and something we did quite often just take you out of the session for, for five minutes let's just look at this one-to-one and she can do it five times with me and her what well, great well done but I put her back in the game. It's very hard to see whether, or you know, the game next week, whether she's learnt that, or or whether it's just because I've instructed. Do you know what you see? What I'm trying to say, like the difference between just doing something because I've instructed them to do it or shown her to do it there and then, and actually learning it and embedding it, and then being able to kind of do that independently. Yeah. And I think for me, that's where you see. I I kind of feel like players are learning when they're asking me questions and when they're not sure, and um, because that tells me that they've really thought about it in detail. Um, sometimes if players have just gone straight out and gone and done something and they can repeat it and repeat it and repeat it in one situation, that's brilliant. They've learned it in that one situation. But all invasion games are made up of thousands, millions of different situations. Um, and we've got to uh, 
make sure that they're adaptable for those situations. So, yeah, I suppose for me, that learning happens not just when they can repeat what you've asked them to do, but when they can repeat what they've asked them to do in different situations and different scenarios, but also when they know not to do what you've asked them to do. Um, so a lot of that comes over time. It's, it's not a quick and easy win to be able to see whether somebody's learned something. It's, you know, you, it might take weeks to be able to see actually has that now been embedded and, and has that worked. And so, you know, when setting goals and targets for players, you've got to bear that in mind in terms of the length of time that you're doing and that and you're spending on that, because can you always see that over a week? Possibly not. You know, you, you need to make sure it's embedded and it's there long term. I mean, yeah, we did a we did a lot of target setting, didn't we, and a lot of IDP work, and um, but again, letting them have ownership of that. And I think one time when we saw maybe what we were doing was working was kind of during the lockdowns, and yeah. we ran obviously virtual sessions like everyone was, but we had pretty much max attendance like every week. We had like engagement in the stuff we were putting out of there, and in a period of time where it would have been very easy for them to be like. Yeah, like you know, I'll, I'll play my Xbox or whatever. You know, what I mean, they we had we had kind of full engagement and full kind of um, commitment to to continuing to learn and continue to develop. And then when we did come back, like we saw the rewards of that. And I think that was kind of really testament to like what what yourself and everyone else involved had kind of created in terms of that that learning environment. Yeah, I, I think it's the environment that created that one hundred percent. And it wasn't just the environment of learning it was the environment of collaboration and working together and celebrating what everybody's doing and you know you saw people were putting videos on on our um, platform and sharing things and saying look this is what I'm doing and it wasn't just a look what I'm doing it was a you know celebration of that's fantastic or another player comes back with another video to say oh I tried this as well and this is what I've done and you know it, it was joint learning between everybody it wasn't just what we were saying this is what you need to go do um there was bouncing off of each other and there were different things and um we we did a bit of a, a great little week-long program i think it was during the second lockdown now um where you took up a starring role as our taskmaster for the week and uh it, you know it, it we we did it because we wanted players to learn the problem solving element and to try and think outside the box and think very differently and do something that was, was slightly different and you know it brought people together it kind of allowed them to celebrate and have a good laugh about what everybody was doing but it also was really important in terms of their development around problem solving because it's really hard for us to help them and guide them through problem solving during a lockdown when we're not there with them and we're not seeing them on a regular basis and a lot of the other delivery we were doing was very much copy me do what I'm doing um so yeah that that I thought was a really important week and quite powerful to see some of the responses of some of the girls and and how they responded to the challenges. And it, I, I was in stitches watching some of those videos. It was, their creativity was fantastic. Cool, yeah. I mean, so I, I, I've mentioned um, the term a little bit and we've talked around it a couple of times around like a positive or a good learning environment. So, but for you, what is a, what is a good learning environment? What does a, maybe a productive envi learning environment look like? Um, I think it, it's not necessarily just a learning environment. You've got to have a positive culture and environment around everything that you do. Um, I think for me, having the right staff in was the biggest thing to creating that learning environment. Um, we had a number of staff in who were all really keen and enthusiastic and wanted to learn themselves and were 
had the energy to learn themselves and reflect on what they were doing and think about things, but also um, allowed me to go a little bit crazy and suggest some rather radical ideas and, and they were quite happy to go along with it. Um, so I think kind of having the right staff team is really important and a staff team that aren't afraid to fail and are quite happy to try something and say, okay, we tried that, it was completely different, but it really didn't work. Um, and there was something I was referring to. We want the players to do that. Like that's got to start at the top, hasn't it? Like if we want the players to have this growth mindset and, and all this stuff, well, if that's not being modelled from the top, it's not going to filter down. And like you say, I think that the one thing that we did have above everything was there wasn't a single person in the whole time I was there, staff came and went, but pretty much everyone that came in and out was like, happy to to learn and try new things and wasn't set in a certain way and i was like oh, no we're not doing that because that's not how we normally do things i think that's probably one of the worst phrases for any organization really is that that's not how we do things because if you keep doing the same things you're going to get the same I, I think the only thing that you would have heard us say that about um was around you know the way we do things is we do things differently um because we needed we needed to do things differently yeah. we only had the players there for an hour and a half like that was probably the only thing that you could have said was consistent about the way that we do things was that we don't do things in the same way all the time and we don't necessarily do things in the traditional way there were times when we did um, and we kind of took a traditional approach to the way that we worked and um, but then there were also times where we knew we had to be different because we didn't have those players for a regular weekly match and um, we only had them for an hour and a half a week and we needed to make sure that that was absolutely maximized and that we worked with those players the best we possibly could so for me, yeah, that having the right staff in was probably the biggest thing to that environment. And you're right, having that growth mindset from the staff was key. Um, to then bring that into the players was important. And I think we we bought in an environment where the girls knew that we were demanding high standards and that we wanted excellence and we wanted them to work hard and we wanted them to learn and you know we wanted them to play the absolute best that they possibly could be and be most prepared they possibly could be. But at the same time, we had a real enjoyable environment where they could turn up and if something didn't work, it didn't work. Okay, that's fine. Let's try it a different way. Let's see if we can learn from it. Let's find different methods and, and try out some different things. Um, and that was a really hard balance to get. And we definitely didn't have that at the start. Um, but I think that kind of after, you know, seven years of, of working with it, I really do think we had an environment where players loved to turn up they enjoyed it they had really good relationships and a social bond with different people in the center as well um that they felt that they had the freedom to go be themselves they felt that they could make mistakes and nobody was going to be on their back about it but at the same time they knew that they had to perform and they knew that we were expecting really high things of them so um i, I think that is kind of what created a really strong learning environment um, for those players was that they were all there for the same reason to learn and be better um, but at the same time they were all there because they enjoyed it yeah no definitely i mean um i think like you said the the fact that we only had them for that that limited amount of time was was obviously the, the big reason why we had to we had to do things um differently um, and like I say, you didn't have, I didn't have a regular games program. We didn't have any sort of league or anything like that to compete in. But I also think those factors kind of always had a really positive impact as well. Because as, as like you say, there was no, there was no issues about things not being quite right in terms of, although we demanded high standards, you know, not everything's going to be perfect all, all, all the time. Um, but because we didn't have that kind of, um, 
I don't know. You know, naturally, naturally we want to play. We want to play football. We want to win. Yeah, as much as we talk around, you know, development and blah blah blah. Bottom line is, everyone that plays football want, wants to win. And whenever you ask a kid every six, they enjoy winning. But it's obviously not the be all and end all. So the fact that we didn't have that was was a kind of a, a big a big positive to us. It meant when we did have fixtures, we could be different. We could make it a training fixture, and we could put timeouts in. We could uh, we could be on the pitch, literally on the pitch while they're playing an eleven aside game stood next to the left back while the game's going on around them and like talking and looking at things with them, which you, you wouldn't get to do on, you know, in, in your local Sunday league or Academy leagues or whatever. And I think a lot of the stuff that we had to were forced to do differently actually had a real positive like impact for us. Yeah. And I, I think it, we didn't just always take it though as development approach. And there were games where we told the players, we want you to go out and win today. This is it. You know, we want you to go out and be competitive. We want you to go win. We want you to go perform. And um, because you know, otherwise leaving at 16 years old and going into adult football, they're not prepared for that. So it is really hard to get that balance. So there were times when we did say to players, no, today we're not we're not accepting a loss. We need to go and win this game. This is it. We need to go and win this game. And, you know, we need to go put our stamp on the game early on. Uh, but you're right. There were then other games where we could step in and, and coach throughout a game and, and manage it that way. And it, it's, it's you know, again, it's, it's kind of how you create that and how you sell that. But telling the parents we're playing a fixture and naturally the coaches might stop the game partway through and step in and go do a bit of work with players. Um, you know, that, that took a lot of communication, a lot of management. And But having that communication with parents, because they understood why we were doing it, there was a lot of buy-in and there was, okay, yeah, this is a really good idea, actually. I hadn't thought about that. And so, yeah, the, it was a real balance between we're going to go win. We still want you to compete. We want you to go and play your best. Like this isn't just turning up and having a, a kick around. Go go to win. But also, we want to still develop you as young players because we're ultimately preparing them to go into an environment which is competitive. And I think that was one of the big things we highlighted quite a few years ago was um, our players just didn't celebrate goals. And they would just, they'd score a goal and they'd just turn around and walk back to the halfway line. And we'd be like, You've just scored a goal like come on celebrate and so a big thing that we tried to bring in was actually just girls celebrating together and making a win and a goal meaningful because it wasn't to them and um, so the things like that became quite important because we're still developing players to go into a competitive game we can't just develop players to be a great player um and then they get to a competitive game and they crumble we've got to develop that side of the player as well so winning is still important it might not be the be all and end all, but it is still important, and we've got to fit that in somewhere within our development program. Yeah, no, fantastic. So, um, something that I'm kind of trying try and finish with on on these podcasts is kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of quick fire round. So, there's kind of some questions for you um, to kind of give us some some of your insights around them. So, the first one is, uh, what are your three fundamentals to successful teaching and or coaching? Um, I think the biggest one for me that I see a lot of coaches struggle with um, is around having really clear outcomes. Um, and what I mean by that is not just, oh, today we're going to work on when to pass, when to dribble. Well, actually, when do you want them to pass? When do you want them to dribble? What are the triggers that tell you that? And having that really clear in your mind so that when you're sharing it with players, it's really clear to them. Um, so for me, having those clear outcomes is probably the one that I see people struggle with the most. Um, even, you know, they've gone on and done level two, you A for B in football and, you know, you level two, you level three. Um, and some of them still really struggle with that because it's, well, I know, okay, that's great that you know, but how do you put that across to your players? Second one for me is probably around flexibility. 
um, that you might turn up to a session and plan your session and it, it all goes completely wrong and you need to change it. And that's happened so many times to me, regardless of what age group, what level, regardless, it will something will always go wrong and you've got to change and you've got to adapt and you've got to be flexible with what you're doing. Um, and the last one for me, and everybody will always just roll their eyes whenever I say this, because I'm always harping on about it, particularly young players, is around every player as an individual and being able to adapt your sessions so that you are working with as many of those individuals as possible is really important. That actually, are you challenging those high flying players at the same time as supporting those and maybe towards the bottom end of your group? And, and how do you make sure that they are challenged within that session rather than just giving them something to say, you know, oh, well, maybe you could do this. Well, actually, how does your practice slightly differ for those different ends of the, the spectrum? So for me, individualizing sessions is really, really important. And that's generally what I've always structured any sort of youth development program curriculum, whether it's just for one group and one team or whether it's for a whole program um, around is around that individualizing it for each player and, and each individual because they're all very different. Yeah, I mean, this is supposed to be the quick fire round, but I'm going to chime in anyway and continue with that. There's two things I want to pick up on there. Like your first bit you said around knowing your outcomes, thousand percent for myself, that, that was something I really needed to to, to develop, both in my, my, my teaching and my coaching. So I think like back to my PGE year of teaching, uh, I've got a, a vivid memory of an observation of like putting a, an activity on the board they, and it was great. They did the activity and we, they fed back the answers. Uh, and I was like, great, cool, let's move on now. And like the feedback I got was like, well, what answers were you looking for? Like, were those the answers you got what you wanted with it? And I was kind of like, yeah, I wasn't, yeah, I didn't know what answer. I was kind of just waiting to see what they said. Um, and now something now I'm better at is here's the activity. This is what I would like to see, but we might get a bit of an, an answer where we can explore that avenue. Or why have you, why have you said that? Like, you're not wrong. It's not what I was looking for. It's not what I've got on the next slide, but like, I'm interested to know why you've got that. And again, from a, from a footballing point of view, um recently kind of uh finished my my b license again some of the feedback i got particularly on my early in situs was around yeah you've got one outcome that you wanted from her but she's achieved that in the first five minutes of your session so now what's the next problem she's going to face and the next problem the next problem the next problem now what do you want to see and you might not get there today but yeah you might get to stage three out of five and then you can pick that up next week or you can pick that up in the game on sunday or whatever so i think yeah thousand percent for, for both sides having real clear outcomes and things that you want to see but also as you said being flexible with that as well uh, and, and being flexible with um you know some of the the responses that you might get and you might you might learn something yourself as, as well i guess definitely you're right and again i know this is quick fire but you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have to tell them all those outcomes. It doesn't mean you have to tell them all, but actually, do you know them? Do you understand them so that when they do come up, you can help with them? Uh, cool. Uh, so what advice would you give to Chloe, who was just starting out? So uh, way back when you said, you know, 16, jumped onto your level one. You could go back now, knowing what you know. What would you what would you say to her? Probably two big things was around listen and watch um, uh, and kind of spend a lot of time doing that um, not if you know other coaches other people go and learn as much as you possibly can and um, but also of your players that your athletes and what are they doing how are they responding what you know what behaviors are they showing not just what are they doing on the pitch and getting a good understanding of what they're doing um, and listening and watching them 
before you start jumping in and opening mouth and saying, right, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to do it. And I'm going to tell you everything. So, yeah, my, my coaching has developed so much. But for me, that's probably the biggest thing is just step back and don't be afraid to step back. Be confident that stepping back sometimes is the right thing to do. And finally, uh, is there anybody or, or a number of people that you would you'd recommend I look to try and try and speak to next? Anybody that you would would like to hear from or you think the other people out there would like to hear from? I'm going to maybe slightly cop out this one a little bit and rather than give a specific name, um, give a bit of a role. When I was working for the FA, um, going around and delivering in primary schools, one of the best things I did was go and watch some of those primary school teachers in their classroom environment. Um, and it was fantastic to watch and watch how they work because some of them were just so fantastic with talking young children through what they're thinking, how they're feeling, what that impacts on their behaviour. Um, some of them were fantastic at differentiating sessions. And, you know, in sport, we're quite afraid of splitting players and doing things, you know, having the same activity, but giving different tasks and challenges to different players because, oh, well, it might upset them because they're not doing the same as everybody else. But actually, in schools, that's what they're doing all the time is they're sitting and they're working on different things. So for me, like I think primary school teachers, they they learn a lot about their individual that they've got in their class. And they really have to break things down into the simplest detail for them to be able to understand and repeat and learn. And that was probably where I got some of the biggest learning. You know, I taught for years before, but. I picked up so much just watching primary school teachers deliver. It was fantastic. I was a, I was about to, to hammer you for that cop out, but what you've said there is kind of a bit of a, a mind blown moment for me there, because like I said, I, I work in a teaching environment where if we, if we talk about what we're doing or offset, it's differentiation, it's stretch and challenge, and it's understanding that this person's here. And then we talk about football and everyone being the individual, but I don't think I've ever had a session where I've gone in and been like, right, these people are going to be doing this because this is where I expect them to be working and these will be doing this and hopefully we can we can move them up and we can and yeah not being afraid to you might have to put on two slightly different sessions or two slightly different outcomes or whatever and yeah not being afraid that it might upset or offend someone but again we'll go back to what we said way earlier trust in the process knowing that what you're doing as long as you're doing it for the right reasons and for, for the benefit of that person then then why not no that's no that's yeah, no, thank you for that. That's, yeah, that's something for me to really think about actually going, going, going away from today. Yeah, I mean, you know, even within the same practice, it's not necessarily seen as we are a lower level. Well, actually, can you see your progress throughout a session? And they can move through different levels of a different activity. And, you know, I've, I've delivered sessions before and there's one that sticks in my mind where the teacher came up to me at the end and said, it's amazing to see those that were maybe at the, in the bottom group have just progressed so quickly in this session because of where you started them off at. And, you know, it, it, it can make such a big difference, but I'm, I'm glad I managed to worm my way out of that question. Yeah, no, no, it makes perfect sense though. You know, we, we could want everyone to achieve E, but if they can't do A, B, C and D first, well, we're not going to get there. And, and, you know, particularly potentially in grassroots or other environments, there's going to be a massive variation in kind of, yeah, where, where they're at on their own journey. But no, that, that's, that's cool. That's amazing. I mean, thank you. Uh, thanks. It's good to catch up and, and chat things and reminisce about uh, certain things as well. I think we did a, a, you know, a lot of good stuff and a lot of that was, was down to you as well. So I think now hopefully you're really happy seeing, you know, uh, some of the guys that we got to work with and, and what they're doing now and doing some really good things. But yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for joining me. Um, 
Uh, can people find you on Twitter after this? Yep, I, I I sometimes tweet a lot and sometimes I'll go very quiet. But yeah, um, at Chloe Brown 11 um, is my handle on Twitter. Cool, wonderful. Uh, anyway, like I say, it was good to chat. Thanks for joining me and, uh, and I'll see you again soon, I hope. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode of Podagogy, the teaching and coaching podcast. Another thank you to Chloe for giving up her time to speak to me this afternoon. As previously mentioned, you can find her on Twitter at ChloeBrown11. You can also find the podcast at Podagogy Podcast. Please leave a review, share the podcast and thanks for listening. Goodbye.